welcome to Last One to the Party, a podcast where I interview somebody who still hasn't seen a beloved film classic. I'm James Eason. We're about to be joined by my wife, Jessica Eason, in a moment. We're both actors, writers, performers here in Los Angeles. And I recently discovered that there was a lot of movies that my wife hadn't seen that I thought were evergreen, chestnut, all-time classic movies. And so, given the time that we have during this quarantine, we started to sit down and watch some of those movies and to get her take on these classic movies that she's finally getting around to seeing. Most of the time, we'll be talking to Jessica. Occasionally, I've got Zoom calls in with friends of mine who have seen classic movies for the very first time, and we'll get their take on those as well. So thank you for joining us for this first episode. We're still figuring out all of the ins and outs of podcast production, so it's going to get better and better and better. But thank you for joining us for this first one, and uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. For this episode, we're talking about Eddie Murphy's classic, Beverly Hills Cop. Yep, never seen it. <laughs> like, it's it's maybe a little bit old for you when it came out, but how did you not ever see it? I know. I don't know. I don't know. I was into musicals growing up, so no comedies. And then I saw Taxi Driver. My life was changed. Truly changed. I'm not even being funny. It was truly changed. But I was a sophomore in high school at that point. A young girl growing up in the woods of (laughs) Massachusetts Massachusetts. sees Taxi Driver. Yeah. And I loved it. I was blown away. I didn't understand it. I knew I didn't understand it, but I loved it. I just felt... All the anger and the um, isolation and the, this is not the movie, but I was adopted into a white family. I think a lot of it is the not fitting in and feeling out an outsider, right? Travis Bickle's an outsider. So I really connected with all of that. Anyway, I loved it. And then, so I was really into Scorsese movies and then random Vietnam movies. And then I went to college for musical theater. And so there was no... No one I know was watching those movies. I mean, I just don't. And then. So this movie came out in December of 84. So where were you that holiday season of 1984? I don't know. In the holiday season, I was not watching movies with Eddie Murphy in them. And at no point in the following years, throughout middle school, throughout high school, none of your friends were like, let's watch. No. And had they seen it? I don't know. My friends weren't too into movies. That wasn't something we... I mean, we'd go to the movies for dates and stuff or, like, with a big group. I don't know. It wasn't anything we were really pumped about. And then at my friend Annie's house, we hung out all the time there. We watched, like, three movies in a loop. And one of them was Major League, which my husband knows. I could, like, quote that movie. We watched that movie over and over and over. St. Elmo's Fire over and over and over and over. And what was the other one? We watched Airplane a bunch. So comedies weren't off the table. It's just this no, one but, didn't somehow yeah. poke through for you. So now, having seen Beverly Hills Cop for the first time many, 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 many years later, what what was your first impression of having seen, well, while watching Beverly Hills Cop? What a great soundtrack. Every song in it had the Pointer Sisters, had Patti LaBelle, has uh, the, everyone knows the, what's the instrumental? Da, 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 that would be Axel F by Harold Faltermeyer. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I thought it was Herbie Hancock. What does he play? Doesn't he have another instrumental from the 80s or something? Well, that was sort of basically a ripoff of Rocket. Oh, yeah. Sounds just like Herbie Hancock's song. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the soundtrack was great. I, the movie, I to me, held up. I was entertained the whole time. It was very funny. Eddie Murphy is just... There's a reason he's Eddie Murphy. No one's come after that touches what he does. He's on a league of his own. I've seen this movie a couple of times, but I have not seen it in quite some time. And it stood out to me right away how good Eddie Murphy was mm-hmm. throughout, through the just the straight scenes as well as the overtly comic mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy doing Eddie Murphy things. Of course he's going to shine there, but even when he just has to be in the scene with his boss, with his friend, you know, threatening Victor Maitland and Mike from Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. uh, like he's just in it and he's committed and he's really just solid. Yeah, he's great. The whole time you're I mean that's why he's a movie star. That's why he's Eddie Murphy. The whole movie you're he can carry the whole film. There's not one part of the movie where you're like why is he in it? You you want more of him, which is why I guess he's a movie not guess, that's why he's a movie star. What did you think for a lot of movies I feel like when you go back and you watch movies from that long ago, 20, 30 years ago, a lot of times the pacing is so much slower mm-hmm. that it's hard to stay into it. And with this one, I didn't feel that at all. It felt like it moved pretty quickly. I think it felt, I agree. And I don't mind a slow-paced movie. I like a lot of 70s movies. Like, I like Clute. I like the Parallax View. Those are much slower movies, but they're very character-based, which I feel like the 80s are slower, but they're not character-based, and that's why they don't work anymore. They don't age as well. That's my opinion out of nowhere, but that's what I think. But this one, because Eddie Murphy's just a ball of charisma. Also, they get to it pretty quick, right? They open in this, like, false, not false start, but like a myth. Like, they try to, right, show that he is, not to, there's no spoilers. I think even I knew he was a cop. So it's like, it starts off with him doing a sting. So you think he's the bad guy. And then it goes right into him. And a chase scene right off the top. So right from the beginning, I think they did a good job pacing and it doesn't get slow. Well, I think the two movies prior to this that were the big hits were um, 48 Hours and Trading Places. And in both of those, he's basically playing a criminal or a con man. So I think in starting this movie with that scene Mm. is him selling those cigarettes. At the time, the audience is set up to believe, and we bought in. I remember seeing that in the theater and just being like, oh, he's doing, he's this guy, and let's see what other adventures he's going to get into. And then the reveal at the end of the chase that he's the cop cop was really interesting. Yeah. What else did you like? What what stood out about the movie that you really liked that really just like, oh, not only Eddie Murphy, obviously, but what other aspects of the movie really popped for you? Hmm. I liked him as a character. Like, he is a maverick, but then he's also very likable, which I think sometimes is hard to do. And he's still very... um, like to his boss when he's getting chewed out, he still has a lot of respect for him. He's not totally disrespectful. Like he, so he, it's, which I think is a hard combination to do. I think a lot of times it's blown out one way or the other. And so I, I like that. I like his relationships with his old friend and the woman that plays his old friend. The bad guys were very 80s bad guys, which I always find funny and nice. And, uh, and I also just like, I mean, it's unfortunate, I guess we were getting closer there in TV more, but. You know, it's 2020, and it's still great to watch a movie with a male lead that's of color, that's not a white guy. And he's not the bad guy, and he's not the—he's the criminal, or he's the one trying to pull one over. It's like, he's the cop. He was great. It could have very easily fallen into 
a Chevy Chase in Fletch kind of dynamic, which I know you haven't seen. No. Uh, but he's very <laughs> irreverent and very sort of disrespectful to his boss and to everybody, basically. He doesn't really give anybody really right. any consideration. And and I was really enjoying, how, again, how loyal he was to his yeah. friends that he grew up with. And clearly they grew up in rougher circumstances and they had made it out in different ways and all of that. And it was nice that he stayed loyal to them. I thought that was a really... Nice touch. It struck me that it was a comedy, but it was it was made in a way that wasn't just a bunch of jokes or scenes strung together to make you laugh. There was a story here, and there were yeah, it's like an action comedy though. There's a lot of action there. Yeah, so, yeah. but yeah, I agree. Like I've never seen Fletch, so I don't know. But like I feel like when people are that cavalier about their job in a movie, then I'm kind of like, why do I care? Like I don't believe it. Like at least felt like it was based in. Um, some kind of reality. It jumped out at me when he had the 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 faux freak out at the front desk of the Beverly Hills Yes, Bells I love hotel. that scene. Don't you think I realize what's going on here, miss? Who do you think I am, huh? Don't you think I know that if I was some hot shot from out of town that pulled inside here and you guys made a reservation mistake, I'd be the first one to get a room and I'd be upstairs relaxing right now. But I'm not some hot shot from out of town. I'm a small reporter from Rolling Stone magazine that's in town to do an exclusive interview with Michael Jackson that's going to be picked up by every major magazine in the country. I was going to call the article, Michael Jackson is sitting on top of the world, but now I think I might as well just call it, Michael Jackson can sit on top of the world just as long as he doesn't sit in the Beverly Palm Hotel because there's no niggas allowed in there. Excuse me, sir. It seems that we do have a, a last-minute cancellation. Uh, there is a room available. It's a suite, but uh, I'll only charge you the single room rate. Thank you. I'm sorry I got upset. It's probably from jet lag or something. I'm very tired. I understand, What's sir. the rate, anyway? Uh, that'll be $235 a night, sir. Fine. And that'll be sweet 1035. Thank you very much. I love that. Ends with him dropping the end bomb on them. Love. I mean, to me, it was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know that you could get that in a movie now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who could do it now. Maybe Chappelle. I don't know, but it was great. And I liked how showing up the white entitlement again, like, what are they scared of? Like, don't call them racist, even though they are. It's fantastic. Had you seen any of Eddie Murphy's stand up specials? No. So you haven't seen those either? No. So those will go down on the list. <laughs> Compared to other 80s movies that you can think of having seen yeah. roughly around the time that they came out, how did this feel in comparison to those? I don't know. Yeah, it was good. I don't, I, it, like I think we said before, it stands up. It doesn't feel super dated. He does have that one scene where he plays, uh, you know, uh, Victor, what's his name? Maitland? Yeah. His lover, like he pretends to be his lover and he's gay in it, which I'm like, ah. Yes. I'm looking for Victor Maitland. Uh, you realize that this is a members-only club? Mm-hmm, but I have to talk to Victor. It's very, very important. Are you sure it's Victor Maitland you want? Oh, yes, Victor Maitland, the gray-haired gentleman, very dark-skinned, Capricorn. Victor. Um, well, why don't you give me the message, and I'll take it to him. Okay, I guess I can do that. Um, tell Victor that Ramon... The fella he met about a week ago. Tell him that um, Ramon went to the clinic today, and I found out that I have um, herpes simplex 10. And I think Victor should go check himself out with his physician to make sure everything is fine before things start falling off on the man. Uh, perhaps you better tell him that. You know, I think that would be best. But then he's so specific in doing it that he almost gets away with it. Doesn't It doesn't feel as like, I'm going to do a gay guy now. Where, weirdly enough, was it Damon Wayans in the movie? When he does it, I'm like, oh, that feels kind of gross. I need a couple of bananas. How much are they? Well, the buffet plate is 
you get peaches, plums, oranges, and bananas. Well, all I need is a couple of bananas. All I can think is wise. It's more specific when Eddie Murphy does it. He's better at it. He's just better at it. Playing a real person, meaning not just playing gay. He's actually playing a person that is gay and not just like, oh, these are like, I think being gay is funny, which is like, Bleh. right, obviously disgusting. It struck me as a different way of using the tool that he does so many times of just using his bluster to get in where he wants. Yeah, he's using like a tactic. He, when he's in the warehouse. How you doing? Can you come in for a second, please? Hi, do you have a match? No smoking in here. I'm not going to smoke. No, I'm going to smoke when I go outside. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is your supervisor here? Yeah, he's in the office. Can you go get him for me, please? What's the problem? Are you security here? Yeah. Then you're the fucking problem. Go get your supervisor, please. Now. Now! Can I help you? Are you the supervisor here? Yes, who are you? I'm Inspector Raffer, the United States Customs Service. Has all this stuff passed through customs already? No, this is the bonded area. Well, then tell me something. Answer a question for me. How can a black man, dressed like me, just march into your warehouse, walk into the bonded area, and start poking around without anyone asking me any questions whatsoever? Well, I don't know. Well, thank you. That's the, that's the answer I was looking for. Why don't you guys just give me your ID numbers, because somebody's going to lose their job behind this. This guy gave me a match, for Christ's sake. You gave him a match? Yeah. And I felt like by adopting that persona, almost yeah. that cliched persona, it was so big that there was nothing that that person could do to break through it. And so that in, enabled him to push through yeah. to get to physically where he wanted yeah. to to talk to Maitland. That all being said, I don't think you would ever do that today. That that wouldn't be the way that that character does it, yeah. Any character. I think you'd, you'd have to have a whole scene explain. I mean, right? People would be like, you can't do that in a good way. I mean, as we should not do that. What, if anything, stood out that just really either stood out like a sore thumb, like, oh, my gosh, that's so dated, or like, ugh, I hated that. Oh, I just think anything in the 80s, the women's perms stand out and their makeup. It's so heavy. It's so contoured. Some of the fashion's cute, but and come back now, but the makeup is, whoo, it's, right? It's just like painted on rouge or blush. Or whatever call it. it's, it's, I wouldn't even call it blush. It looks like rouge. Like, well, that's why they call it rouge. It's crazy looking. And the perms are nuts. Like all these white women with this crazy permed hair. It's like, no, girl, that's not your hair. What about mm-hmm. Bronson Pinchot? I'm fine. My name is Sales. And how can I help you? Um, yeah, I'm looking for Miss Jenny Summers. It's very busy today. Maybe you give me your name? My name is Axel Foley. And uh, what is pertaining? I didn't understand what you said. Pertaining, what it's meaning, regarding. Oh, what's it regarding? I'm an old acquaintance of hers. Donay? One moment. Donay Brennan tell me Summers that uh, Mr. Ahmed Foley is here to no, see. Axel Foley. Axel. Ahmel, Ahwell. Axel. Foley is here to see her. He's an old acquaintance. Donny, this is covered this up. It's I'm like sorry. the breast of a dog to scrub for the customer. It's not sexy, it's animal. No, it's not sexy at all. May I offer you something to drink? A wine, a cocktail, a, a espresso? No, I'm fine, thank you. I'll make it to myself right back there with a little lemon twist. It's good. Try it. No, I'm, I'm fine. I see you look at this piece. Yeah, I was wondering how much something like this went for. $130,000. Get the fuck out of here! No, no, I cannot. It's serious because it's very important piece. Have you ever sold one of these? Sell it yesterday to a collector. Get the fuck out of here! Somebody else has said it myself. (laughs) I know, he's very, very funny. When I saw that movie in the theater, when that movie came out, 
that was one of those moments where you kind of stopped in amazement of what that character was, what that mm-hmm. accent was, all of his little mannerisms yeah. were so funny, so precise. That was one of those things where everybody that I saw it with was just roaring at that and just kept talking about that character as much as any of the other parts. Yeah. And just like, who was that guy? That yeah. Just, and to know who he is now, it's just like, oh, right. That's like, here's a guy mm. making his move to carve out a career. Yeah. Can you get my friend um, espresso? You want to be the lemon twist? Uh... Uh, yeah, sure, if it's no bother. No, don't be stupid. <laughs> he made a big choice and it worked. It's really funny. And I think what also is great about it is, I don't know, I mean, this is me guessing, but I feel like Eddie Murphy let him do it, right? Eddie Murphy's the star of that movie. There's other people that would be like, cut that guy out. Like, I don't want him taking my laughs or taking over that scene. It just shows you, to me, that Eddie Murphy had total confidence in himself and wants the movie to be great. So, yes, of course, hire the funniest guy. And lets him shine. Doesn't try to overpower him. They could cut him out or whatever. And it seems like he's also getting that joy out of his reactions to Surge offering him the cappuccino with a twist are are just like that thing that sort of gooses along his character to keep it going. And he seems to take real pleasure in feeding the comedy without, as you're saying, feeding his ego. He seems to really understand and enjoy that larger picture. Yeah, he's hilarious. Every time he's on, you're like, more of that guy. And so you've got Taggart, who's the grizzled yep. Beverly Hills PD veteran, who <clears throat> one of the first things we see him do is punch Eddie Murphy in the stomach yeah. for what he perceives to be talking back to him. The joke is then that the Beverly PD uh, captain makes him apologize and do this whole thing by the book. Sir, I apologize for striking you. I have no excuse. Forget about it. Detective Foley, I'm Lieutenant Bogomil of the Beverly Hills Police Department. Do you wish to file charges against Sergeant Taggart? This is some kind of joke, right? Do you wish to file charges against this officer for assault? Look, where I'm from, cops don't file charges against other cops. No, I don't want to do that. And I feel like when Taggart punches Eddie Murphy in the world we live in, all I could think is like racial things. I, I just thought immediately, would he punch a white dude? I don't think so. And it just shows how any any person of color, African-Americans, how you have to, like, how much they have to swallow down just to live in this world. And I'm getting heavy. But that's what I felt. I was like, he managed to be able to hit him back, but instead he has to kind of, like, grin and bear it. That's what I want to say. Like, I like that he gets along and has respect for his, his um, boss, his superior. superior. But I don't want to make it sound like, I'm glad that he gets along and he's quiet because I don't mean it that way. Yeah, and also his boss is also another person yes, of color, okay, yeah. which fits it being Detroit. Yeah. Paul Reiser's funny in the beginning, too. I don't understand. I don't have any don't, time for you today, Jeff, Todd's okay? looking for you. He is really pissed. You know what he said? This is your worst fuck-up ever. Personally, I don't think that's true. So I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I'm just saying if you had busted these guys, it would have worked out better. That's all I'm saying. You want my advice? No. You know what really. I would do if I was you? No, I don't. Go in there, talk to wait for me. Jeff. Jeff. Right Jeff, get away from me. I'm going to shoot you, all right? Yeah, Paul Reiser's really funny. I'm not telling you what to do, but you know what I would do? How did you like the modernization of the Beverly Hills police station when he walks in? Yeah. That scene with those computers, yeah, yeah. those monochrome computers yeah. at the time, that was like, oh, look at them. They're yeah, I guess so they're advanced. showing us how much money they have, right? Yeah. Wasn't that just yeah. him coming from Detroit with no money and then this place that's like, right, like decked out with all this money to what? Like serve and protect a bunch of white rich people. 
having seen this this Eddie Murphy movie, does yeah. this make you want to see other Eddie Murphy movies? Yes, it does. Of the movies of his that you know from this time period, what leaps to mind that you want it that you're most curious about? No, no, I'm equal on Forty Eight Hours or Trading Spaces. I don't have one a favorite one. And I've the, seen Coming to America like 10 billion sure. times, obviously. I love that movie. So if you had to sum up this movie experience, what, what would your review low these many years later, <laughs> what would that be? Super funny. I wish they made more movies like this that were like funny and action because I don't think they make a lot. I can't remember seeing a funny action movie lately. Granted, I have not seen Bad Boys or Bad Boys 2. But like there's something nice about the pacing of an action movie and like also... Like you said, it has a beginning, middle, and end. Is that just a comedy? Because I feel like a lot of comedies in the 80s actually starred women and were great and had stories. And then we got into the 90s and whatever recently, and a lot of the comedies now are just random scenes strung together. No real story. People just doing, like, bits, and I'm so not interested. That's why I don't watch a lot. I mean, people that do comedy, right? That's us, and I would much rather go watch a drama most of the time. So, anyways, I guess that's it. I like to see more of that and more Eddie Murphy. I also really liked Eddie Murphy in, um, what's that movie? Like, I don't think it did that well, but I thought he was great in it with Steve Martin. Bowfinger. Bowfinger. He's yeah. great in that movie. Yeah, he's true. He should do more movies. I mean, I guess he doesn't have to because he's loaded. <laughs> like, he doesn't ever work again, right? But I would go see more Eddie Murphy movies. Yeah, come on, Eddie. Make something. Make a, He needs a turn. He needs, like, a Boogie Nights. He needs, like, the next, what's his next chapter? Like, Quentin Tarantino is to put him in his, this is the last movie he's going to make? Hey, Supposedly. there you go, Tarantino. Let's give it to you. Put Eddie Murphy in something we're not expecting and, like. He gets th- his Robert Forster. Yeah, he gets his Robert, his uh, Pam Greer. And that will do it for this episode of You Should Have Seen That By Now. I know. And I love my husband. (laughs) And I love my wife. This is James Eason, and this is... Jessica Eason! If you want to contact us, you can reach us at lastonetothepartypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.